0: listening to Ouija broads this is Devin this is Liz Liz today
1: today <coughs> I'm gonna cough sorry don't die oh, today's to the end of Ouija broads we're introducing a new <gasps> plotline where Devin has consumption mm. I'm
0: gonna report from beyond the grave I'll be your ghostest with the mostest noise co- I don't know whatever but well apropos we're going back to Lakeview cemetery in today's episode Lakeview Cemetery, what yeah. do you mean, back? Who's there back. that we know? Princess Angeline is there, Chief Seattle's Princess daughter. Angeline from episode, like, six or so. Oh, my gosh, she was so early on. So Princess An- Princess Angeline is there, and I visited her grave and left her a tribute from us one time. But um, two other, well, there's a lot of notable burials in that Mm -hmm. there's folks of the denny party who were credited with the the white people that discovered seattle Um, mr Mm nordstrom is there we got a bunch of artists and politicians but i'm going to talk to you about the father-son duo who are buried there yes who am i talking about the lees the lees i'm talking about bruce and brandon lee who, yeah, people, you didn't know they were from Seattle, did you? You didn't know. they. Uh, Bruce Lee went to University of Washington. He was born in Chinatown in California, then was raised in Hong Kong, and then came back to the States at 18 years of age to go to University of Washington. So Seattle gets to claim him. Yeah. For Sure. Bruce and Brandon, of course, are really known for the fact that they're both martial arts legends. They were big in Hollywood, beyond big in the world of martial arts. But the reason we're talking about them is because their death sparked a legend that they didn't just both tragically die. They both tragically died because of a familial curse.
1: Yes. And it wouldn't be me if I wasn't pedantic that I think... Bruce Lee is for sure the martial arts legend. I feel like maybe Brandon wouldn't have quite the reputation if he hadn't died so young and so tragically. But I'm going to let you tell me about it. And I might, you know, I've seen The Crow. I was a goth in the 90s.
0: You were? He
1: definitely had something for sure. Yeah. And I wonder wonder what it would have been like. But anyway, let's lay the story out. I'll lay the
0: story out. Like you said, I'll start with Bruce and then I'll talk to you about Brandon, where I, I do agree with you that his father obviously eclipsed him. Uh, But he was starting to come into his own, which is one of the reasons why his death
1: was even more tragic. Um, Oh, yeah. It's not not even really fair to compare that way.
0: No, no. Because Bruce Lee is synonymous with classic kung fu. And that was the genre that was, I mean, obviously already big in Hong Kong and China. But in the 60s and early 70s is when it hit American Hollywood type blockbusters. And he was the reason it happened. Um, Yeah. I love here, I'm reading my notes, and I was like, Bruce Lee, of course, is synonymous with the classic kung fu movies of the 60s and 70s. And you know his son, Brandon, if you were a teenage goth. (laughs) Guilty as charged. Guilty as charged. Uh, They're both, of course, known for their fighting abilities. But another big thing that Bruce Lee is known for is because of his work he is the person that is responsible for the positive shift we see in Asians and Asian Americans in mainstream American cinema. Hmm. Okay. You can convince
1: me of that. I'll, I, I'll give it its day in court.
0: Will you? Yeah. Okay. Well, I'll tell you more about that. Why? He was born, like I said, in the 1940s uh, or in 1940 in San Francisco's Chinatown, but his family then. Soon moved back to Kowloon, Hong Kong, and he came back to America to attend UW. And it was while he was in college that he started teaching martial arts. So he'd been a child actor in Hong Kong. He studied martial arts under his father, um, several different styles, ended up kind of pioneering his own style and mixing it with his own understanding of martial arts. But he he also took dance classes. So he kind of had these great hybrid fusion ideas of martial arts. And when he came over to America and was doing these martial art teachings, like I said, he'd already been doing martial arts in China. Um, His father was in the film industry, so he was a child actor and a martial arts actor in China. And coming over to America, uh, there were a couple of directors and actors who were starting to get into foreign cinema. And they knew Mm -hmm. Bruce Lee was over here and they were like, oh, Cool. So this guy knows Kung Fu. He can start acting in our movies here. And then he started directing them as well. Nice. I told you that he was the one that was mostly responsible for having this positive effect on American viewers' views of Chinese people specifically, but Asians in general and Asian Americans. Mm-hmm. He was bringing that that authenticity um, of, of Asian-ness into a genre that had been really dominated by perta- uh, by uh, stereotypes, you know, like uh, Breakfast at Tiffany's. And oh Jesus! The yeah. King and
1: I, um, Yellow Face
0: is. Or what is that
1: one that John Wayne did?
0: Oh yes, um, I just knew it. It's not Shanghai, but it's oh gosh, and that was considered to be John Wayne's absolute worst film ever. Total. Mm-hmm. Flop I can't think of, of what it's movie. called,
1: but yeah. Um, It was very, very normal. See, now we're wandering into my specialty of, like, old movies, which it was... They did not want to see actual Asian people in movies. No. They... The... The perspective of what was attractive was so white and so Mm -hmm. limited that the only people you would really get that would cross over like uh so the the kind of thing that worked at all was like anime wong are you familiar with her
0: no who's anime wong
1: she was (laughs) the first chinese american her name is anime Anna Mae. We're talking. Anna (laughs) Mae Wong. (laughs) She She was was the first Chinese American Hollywood movie star. And she went from like silent film to sound film. She did TV. She did radio. But she was much like it sounds like Bruce Lee, she was both Asian, but not too Asian for the mainstream like taste at the time. So she also was born in California. Okay. Yeah, she was, you know, her parents were second generation, she Mm -hmm. started acting really early, Mm -hmm. and she was very beautiful, but beautiful in a way that I think you can see made a lot of sense to, like, people... Of her, she was beautiful in a way that made sense to the audiences of her day, and there were times oh. when she would flat out fucking lose roles to white actresses wearing makeup, like they did uh, in 1935. Asian. Yeah, they they adapted The Good Earth, which yes. is about Chinese people, yes, and they cast a white actress. Instead.
0: No, that's terrible.
1: Oh, yeah, that's like terrible. She's right, the fuck here, and so yeah, she did a lot of like classic, you know, dragon lady and pretty butterfly stuff, but she also was, you know, actually out there doing it. I think sometimes it's easy to look back from the 21st century and say, Oh, you know, it's so unfortunate that so much of what Anna May did was so stereotyped. Yeah. But it's not like she had a big book of, like, stereotypes to avoid and a million other great roles to no, choose from. No, of course not. I'm just proud of her for getting to do it at all. But, yeah, for the most part, you're absolutely right. It's like Breakfast at Tiffany's. It's mm-hmm. The this, Conqueror like, is that John Wayne movie. The Conqueror, yep. yes. There's no distinction between different Asian cultures. Oh, It's all at just all. this sort of homogenized, mishmash, chaotic mess the merciless like definitely whatever orientalism we can throw at the the screen to see what sticks thing yeah that's what Bruce Lee is coming into that's exactly what he's coming into and just like Anna May I mean he
0: was (laughs) you have David Carradine before he choked himself Mm -hmm. to death jerking off playing Asian characters in yeah uh all kinds of kung fu movies from pre-civil rights movement all the way up and through you know what a couple years ago um And of course, you know, you said this is what he's coming into. We're only 25 to 35 years out from when people were internment camps in Mm -hmm. America for being Asian. So him coming in and giving that good presentation, that good representation is difficult as fuck. It's a prejudiced audience for the most part. Uh, Maybe that's unfair. Not a prejudiced audience for the most part, but it's an audience that's very comfortable with that prejudicial look.
1: Yeah, I would say it's an unsophisticated audience. And before anybody comes at us for conflating people from China and people from Japan and so forth, that was a distinction that the United States made pretty clearly during World War II when (laughs) we understood who our allies were and then very promptly forgot. And it was not – and God forbid if you're from someplace other than those two countries. So I think (laughs) it was the kind of thing where if you – you know, your average – person who's trying to decide what to spend their five cents on to go see a movie might not actually object to an actual Asian actor, but the studio honcho is gonna think that they will. Absolutely. They'll make that decision for you and then Mm -hmm. that's
0: continued to be propagated. Um, Bruce Lee comes into Hollywood, into American movies at the very end of the 60s. And he's not only training other martial artists, like I said, he's acting and directing in feature-length films. He's best known for the five feature-length films he did here in America. And those are uh, The Big Boss of 71, Fist of Fury in 72, which also launched Jackie Chan's career in America. Fist of
1: Fury. Fist of
0: Fury. We have The Way of the Dragon in 72 entered the dragon in 73, and then he died in 73, and the Game of Death doesn't come out until 1978. Yeah. And it doesn't come out until 1978 because God love them, they wanted to finish that film. And they the director George uh, Lazenby said, Cool, I can finish this film. I need a little bit of time. And and he did it by changing the script somewhat. So there were some Scenes that got cut, got re-edited, got removed. He used some body doubles, uh, which worked. Mm-hmm. But I shit you not, Liz, he used cardboard cutouts of Bruce Lee as stand-ins in certain oh, scenes. Oh, no.
1: Oh, no. <laughs>
0: but it was, it. you know, it still worked as a film. He's, he <sighs> gave a very good acting performance and physical performance in, in the scenes in which he was able to. Uh, I guess his cut- cardboard cutout didn't really detract from it. They used it in, like, long shots.
1: <laughs> oh. And that cardboard cutout won an Oscar. It won an Academy Award. Oh, oh. man. That's um, a tough situation to be in, trying to piece it all together, because you don't want everybody to just lose all the money and the time they've put in on no. this project. But at the same time, it's a little bit ghoulish.
0: A little bit, doesn't don't you think? To just go, mm-hmm. well, how do we work around him being dead you know i imagine it's like unfortunately when carrie fisher died you know and they Mm -hmm. hadn't finished editing uh the latest star wars or when heath ledger died and they're like "Ah, no totally in the can we got all of his stuff uh we'd never know if you didn't Mm -hmm. so we're already talking about his death in 1973 but it's actually i guess pretty timely um the cause of his death since his death has been assumed to be a bad reaction to a pain reliever that he took for a headache. Hmm. But there's a new book that just six days ago now uh, hit the stands and had reviews come out. And this author believes that he actually died of complications due to heat stroke. So it wasn't this Hmm. medicine that he took and I'll, I'll explain more about that, but it was heat stroke that um, presented over the course of a couple of months And this author just goes off into a totally different direction with other conspiracies that I'll tell you about. But let's talk a little bit about Bruce Lee's uh, death. Since it's one of the linchpins in this whole the Lee family is cursed thing. Um, Yeah. So it was May 1973 when Mm -hmm. Lee is on a sound set and he's recording the dialogue tracks for something. And he he says he has a really bad headache and then he collapses and then he oh. seizes. So he's rushed to the hospital in Hong Kong and is diagnosed with uh, cerebral edema. Ed- edema? edema, edema, Swelling. Edemame. Edemame. Um, he's got edema. Some, I edema. Think. edema. Thank it's, you. I'm not a doctor. I don't know. Water him. on the brain. He got water on the brain. Little water baby. He is. How did you say it again? Now I've said it wrong too many times. Edema. Edema. Sounds like a new age band. (laughs) Yes. Edema. Uh, So the doctors there were able to reduce the swelling with some medication and he was sent home. Seems fine. Then it's July 1973 and he's out to dinner and he's discussing the film with the director, the producer, and the lead actress, Betty Ting Pei, on the project. They have drinks they go to betty's house everyone but bruce and betty leave and betty says well see it's entirely possible that they were lovers as well he had a wife and two kids uh but Mm -hmm. i'll talk about that in a minute too but he's at betty's house and according to her he complains of a headache so she gives him an analgesic that's called uh equagesic which in Hong Kong was it was over the counter? It was perfectly legal. It has aspirin and a tranquilizer in it. So goodness, Bruce, I would like that also. Thank you.
1: So aquagesic. That sounds aquagesic. like that means it's for horses. It
0: means it's for horses. Uh, Daniel Radcliffe does a film. Does a oh does God. a stage play called Equijesic, I believe. <laughs> so Bruce takes a nap. Then Betty can't wake him later when it's time uh, for dinner. So she calls the producer. He comes back to the apartment. He also can't wake Bruce, and he tries to revive him for 10 minutes. After that, being unresponsive and not working, they call an ambulance, and Lee is declared dead on arrival at the hospital.
1: I understand why people are reluctant to call emergency services, but I also am like, time is brain, you know? Oh, my gosh, yeah. Dude,
0: I don't have enough brain cells to fuck around. Liz, if I ever collapse, you just fucking get them on the phone. I don't want yeah. to mess around. I am barely above average intelligence, I would imagine. Don't you dare let me slip down into, you know, my dog's level.
1: <laughs> I would dispute, I think you're quite intelligent, but I also mm-hmm. know nobody wants to lose whatever you got to start with. We don't even want to lose 1%, Man. which is something I thought of when I read Fall Off My Skateboard back in the day. I'm like, oh. I make a living with this thing. What am I doing? Oh. But They took their sweet time. They took their sweet ass time, mm. which when you're fucking with brain swelling
0: and unresponsive Mm -hmm. dude is probably a bad idea. At any rate, his official cause of death was brain swelling. Uh, The coroner calls it death by misadventure, which is an interesting title to give that. Um, but it's kind of muddy. What actually killed him was the brain swelling, a reaction of the medication was the brain swelling already there, which we knew it was because it had happened days before, but was it exacerbated
1: by the medication? Um, well, brains don't just abruptly decide to swell with. Well, I mean they do, but like yeah. if they do, it's for something. It's because something is going horribly wrong. Something's so really fucking. That's bad. very weird. It's like, well, he died of decapitation, and you're like, and what decapitated? <laughs> Anyway, like, I understand literally and technically that's what the problem was, but I have some follow-up questions. Right. That was the mode? What was the method? Yes, yes. Means and method are different Means. questions. So, yeah. Well, with this sounds like you've been having headaches for a long time. Yeah. And he'd been dealing with this for a while. And you never know with that. Is it that the medication did something wrong to his blood pressure or to his fluids or whatever? Correct. Or was medication letting him power through when he should have been resting? Correct. Uh, That is another
0: thought that a lot of people have, which is that, um, I guess, Chuck Norris in an interview, because Chuck Norris studied under Bruce Lee, uh, Mm -hmm. said that he died of a bad reaction to this medication, this analgesic he w- had taken, uh, he died because that interacted with the uh, steroid or or muscle relaxant he was taking due to a herniated disc. And he was able to, oh. to work through all of this fucking herniated disc pain. Oh, God. Like, he shouldn't have been pushing himself, but removing the pain means he could continue to work and like you said he mm-hmm. should have been resting but
1: didn't um there was another yeah, kind of, then go ahead then he had a, a barbituate and yes a sedative another sedative yes both in his system oh yes. that's really sad i've known too many people that's happened to oh really
0: what a mm-hmm. fucking bummer uh this new author i told you about this book just came out Uh, This biopic author, Matthew Pauly, thinks that Bruce died of heat stroke. Uh, The two days on which he's recorded collapsing were record heat waves. Matthew Pauly, this author, says that Lee's symptoms were consistent with heat stroke, and it was... Two record high days on the two days that he was recorded as collapsing. And he also claims that Bruce Lee had the sweat glands from his underarms removed to avoid excessive sweating while he was on set. And Matthew Polly believes. What's his evidence for that? Well, I don't know because I haven't read the book because I'm going to tell you for free. I don't care that much about Bruce and Brandon Lee or I wouldn't have before I researched for them. Um, mm-hmm. I, I'm not into kung fu. I was not the goth that you were. I didn't have the chops mm-hmm. for it. Now that I know about him and and what a force he was for um, positive representation of of minority people in film, I'm like fuck yeah, dude! I'd read a story about you. Um, mm-hmm. But it's kind of hard to get. You know, it's like a sports guy. I'm not really going to get into yeah. it unless there's something else I can grab onto. Um, Yeah. And it's fair to not want to be like, I'm sure that just came out. It's not cheap. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Mm -hmm. But at any rate, Matthew Pauley believes this happened, whatever his evidence is, I don't know, but he says that contributed to Bruce's overheating, which is, I mean, accurate. If you have sweat glands removed, um, or if in the case of my husband, you have them paralyzed because of hyperhidrosis, not only does your body do a thing, called compensatory sweating, where other parts of your body start to sweat, it can make you more prone to overheating and heat Hmm. heat exhaustion, heat fatigue, whatever.
1: So really, both theories, though, come down to Bruce Lee and his magnificent genius body were going when they needed to not be. Yeah,
0: that's what it sounds like to me. Uh, And as someone who's Pushing. I mean, you heard the the list of years that these. Yes, those were feature back to length. Back to back. Yeah, and these are the feature length films he's done. He was doing mm-hmm. the shorter films before that. Uh, you know, plus he's a husband with two younger kids.
1: Mm-hmm. Traveling, internationally. Traveling and internationally, and you said yeah. he's acting and directing and teaching. Exactly, he's doing all of these things.
0: And <laughs> as far as as far as Matthew Polly. Is concerned, and then some other sources, he's carrying on at least two affairs in the meantime. How old was he when
1: this happened also? 28. Oh, sorry, 32. His son, Brandon, was 28. He was 32 when he died. Let me put it this way. I'm not an elite athlete, but I understand that... What you would put your body through and bounce back from when you were 19 is likely to be a lot different than (laughs) what you put your body through and bounce back from at 32. And it sounds like the filming schedule, if anything, is asking more of him than it was five years earlier. I think you're right. Yeah. (laughs) See also every calzone I've
0: eaten after the age of 28. (laughs) <laughs> i fine. Why do they ruin calzones all of a sudden? Why? Why does my stomach hurt? Why do I have to shit and throw up at the same time? Why do they taste funny? What is this acid? I don't get it. Calzones, you suck. It's not They don't calzones. make them like they used to, <laughs> So sorry, Helena. Sucks. <laughs> oh, man. Again, in Matthew's book, like I said, he's the one that believes uh Lee's one of Lee's mistresses was Betty Ting Pei uh who was mm-hmm. a uh, I believe she was a Taiwanese actress she was also acting in that final film uh that that they were working on the Game of Death I like I said I I don't know how trustworthy a researcher he is but while we're on the topic of weird things um, he lists Betty Ting Pei as one of his mistresses. Sorry, I'm reading my notes. Um, And he also talks about how at one point, Roman Polanski, Sharon Tate's widower at the time, uh, thought that Bruce Lee was the one who committed the Manson family murders. What? Yeah, so this book proves to be a real wild ride if anybody reads it. Uh, Yeah, Yeah. I, I guess this is anecdotal, but there was a pair of glasses that was found at the murder scene that didn't match any of the I believe it was five murder victims and Roman Polanski and Bruce Lee were buddies Uh, a few days to a week after the murder they were driving around together and Bruce just kind of offhandedly says oh I lost my glasses a few days ago I need a new pair so there's a part in in this biopic where Roman I guess it said Uh, He said, well, Bruce, I'll I'll go buy you a new pair then right now. Let's get that taken care of. And he took Bruce to uh, an eye doctor or an eyeglasses place so that Bruce would say his prescription out loud Mm -hmm. so that Roman would know if it matched uh, the prescription of the glasses found at the scene. And it did not match. So, yeah, I don't realize how interconnected Hollywood is until you get stuff like that. And I'm like, Roman Polanski used to be just a dude. He used to be just a, well, just a movie dude that people knew of as a good guy, not as the horrible monster man that he is.
1: So yeah, so Bruce Lee... Passes away for somewhat. I mean, I'm Mm -hmm. intrigued that the that the coroner put death by misadventure. I don't know what to make of that. Whether that was just a way of saying like there's no obvious medical precedent that explains why his brain did this, or he's attributing it to the medicine and saying you know it was an accident, but the specific kind of accident it was was this or what? I don't know what to make of that because I don't know a lot about what the Hong Kong coroners did back in that day. Exactly. Yeah. I don't know why. (laughs) I like that. Uh, Well, you're right. We've
0: gotten to the point in the story where Bruce has died. It's 1973. He leaves behind a wife, a daughter, and his son, Brandon, who was eight years old at the time of his father's death. Tell me about Brandon. He had learned martial arts from his dad. He was continuing to study martial arts uh, with his dad. And then with all of these great American martial artists we kind of think of at the time, like Chuck Norris,
1: um, like, uh, I believe it's Kareem Abdul-Jabbar... Who... Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, yes, he's in Game of Death. Thank you. And yes. When you see the two of them side by side, it is mind-blowing because, like Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, yeah. is a quite competent martial artist. Yes. But Bruce Lee is actually slowing himself down so that it'll show up on camera. Okay. That's amazing. Oh,
0: and the height yeah. differential. I've seen stills of it. The height differential yes. is just beyond. I mean, obviously, it's an uh, an average height. Bruce Lee, and an exceptionally tall Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Uh, yeah. And you just, you really see it there and in the the punches that one would have to make to connect with the other man or the kicks or things like that.
1: Yeah. Game of Death is kind of set up almost like a, a, a video game and that it's like, defeat this guy, now you move on and you defeat that guy and you do all this kind of stuff. So Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is one of the ones that he gets to fight, but... Yeah, yeah, just a lot of a lot of talent in one room. Oh that time. Man.
0: worth watching. Then apparently, did you watch it on your own, or is that a Matt recommendation?
1: Because a- I've actually watched stuff about Bruce Lee before, and they often like to show stuff from Game of Death and talk about it because it was his last movie. Oh. So I'm not a big kung fu movie fan in general, but I find Bruce Lee really interesting. So I'm super happy about this episode. This is one great. of the things. Yeah, one of the things that the documentaries that I've watched about him have emphasized is Bruce Lee was not the best martial artist of his generation. Yeah. And I'm not qualified to support or... rebut that assertion but he was the best at making it look amazing on film because we all yeah. know that's different right it like is. what you might and i i see this in like dance as well like competition dance is often not as interesting to me because they're doing something very structured yeah and within like a very you know they they know the points they're trying to get they're trying to lock that down yeah and it's a little bit like that with martial arts as well that you know I would believe it if you told me that there were people who could have beaten Bruce Lee mm-hmm. in a fight, mm-hmm. but I wouldn't believe it if you told me there was somebody who could make that look even greater. Because right. he knew how to, like, he had so much presence. He, he did. was so good looking. Oh, man. He, you know drew your eye and commanded the mm-hmm. frame even mm-hmm. though he was not what a typical hollywood leading man was at yeah. that time and he knew how to make it inventive and i think you've seen jackie chan take that up another notch of like it's not just entertainment it's comedy it's so and, comedic yes yeah and dying is easy comedy is hard so the yes. fact that you can do something that physically demanding and poor jackie chan he's broken like every bone in his body at this point oh yeah Can take it and make it look not just easy, but accidental. Yes. Is amazing. Yes. But yeah, Bruce Lee made it look easy. He did make it look amazing. uh, Yeah. I think you can
0: really see where his dance training comes into play when you see the fluidity of his movements. And he's very aware of his body in the 360 sense.
1: Um, Mm Mm-hmm. But he also knows like where the cameras are and yes. you know what the eye is going to go to, and that's from being a Hollywood kiddo or whatever the Hong Kong equivalent yeah, was. Yeah, definitely a movie you know, kiddo. Growing up with with movies and knowing sort of where do we put the camera to make this look fantastic and right. how do we make this even better than it is in real life. Right, right.
0: Brandon is interesting in a different way like you said he he was not the martial artist that his father was he might not have been the actor that his dad was or at least not have appealed to a mainstream audience in the same way mm-hmm. at, when he was before he was filming the crow he was known uh for some cult films that he was had starred in he had a small but very loyal following and he wanted really much to be oh my god He was a martial artist, but he wanted to be known on his own. He didn't want to be known just Mm -hmm. as Bruce Lee's kid. He wanted to be Brandon Lee and have acting chops on his own. So he's done Mm -hmm. these little cult films. Uh, They were feature length films, but now he's onto the one that's going to launch him into stardom and it is the crow which is a movie about a murdered man who comes back to life to avenge his fiance's murder in the movie as you may remember this character walks in he's a what a rock star and he walks in on his fiance being attacked by a group of thugs and they kill Mm -hmm. her and they shoot brandon lee's character his character in the movie dies and then is resurrected to uh avenge their deaths
1: yeah as i recall correctly i think it was a comic book first and then they adapted it Mm, that makes sense Mm -hmm. anyway so tell me about the crow so we know kind of the plot we know the plot and it's (laughs)
0: um this is a very good time in brandon's life he had just gotten engaged well yeah he had been engaged to his fiancee they were going to get married a few weeks after the show wraps after filming wraps and they're now eight or nine days away from wrapping and this whole production has been riddled with problems while they were filming there was a it was called the storm of the century came through while they were filming and it froze all of the rain machines and as you've seen this movie so there's a lot of rain involved
1: it's very atmospheric there's a lot of darkness and rain yes and everything happens at
0: night and yeah. yes um a carpenter was in a crane and it hit a live power line and he suffered severe oh burns after being electrocuted um they've so got So
1: was this a problematic production or was it a cutting corners production? It
0: sounds like it was a problematic production. Uh, okay. it sounds like it was a, a budgeted, real Hollywood production, and these just were a series of unfortunate events that made this production slow down. Uh, I guess also a mm-hmm. lot of people just got sick with random illnesses during production, and what they all say, of course we always speak well of the dead, but what they all say is that Brandon was the, the driving force behind getting this production done and in the can and he was always positive and he was excited and he didn't care that he was doing all these scenes in this cold and wet and dark and that it was physically demanding and difficult. He was just really excited about this project. He was really into all of them working as a team to make this thing happen. And we're now eight or nine days from wrapping and they're going to shoot the shooting scene where Brandon's character walks in on his
1: fiance being attacked. Mm-hmm. So the part in the movie where his character dies.
0: The part in the movie where his character dies, yes. Because he gets
1: shot a million times later in the movie, but it doesn't uh, affect him. But it him. doesn't
0: affect him, no. Sorry, this is the part in the movie where his character dies this is unfortunately the yeah. part
1: in filming where Brandon dies. There was- Yeah, that just stands out to me. It's like they shot a million blanks on that set and yet this is where it went wrong
0: this was where the fuckery on the part of the props department happened he they had a 44 magnum revolver that was being used in close-up shots and so it looked realistic because if you see a revolver it's got to show little bullets in it uh or it looks like what it is which is an empty gun so apparently Mm -hmm. the props department instead of going out and buying uh non- live bullets you can buy dummy bullets they took live bullet casings kept the tip kept the primer took out the black powder this
1: so it's just not working for me i i have real questions about like who is setting this standard of cut corners because oh this just stands out as not right this is bad bad culture that's
0: a bad and idea I, from the start right a bad culture that that should yeah. never be an option on a set. You should never, I don't feel, ever have live ammunition on a set. Just probably like you shouldn't ever have real fucking money on a set.
1: You make fake money, guys. Skimp and say like, oh okay, we're gonna not have an actual brick wall. We're just gonna paint this thing Mm -hmm. to look like brick. That's fine. Yeah. Nobody dies if you get that wrong. No. No. In this case they used
0: real bullets that weren't live. But while they're shooting it, one of these real bullets that is not live gets lodged in the barrel. It doesn't get cleared. And so later when they use this same gun with blanks and blanks are wadding in black powder, but no bullets. So they do the flash and the bang, but they aren't creating a projectile when this happened
1: that they had like three components of a bullet and they got one of them crammed in the barrel from the other time and now they gave it the other two i feel so bad laughing but you're absolutely right
0: i'm just <laughs> exasperated
1: that nobody was like well so we'll use this that's just this bit and then we'll use that that's just the other bit <laughs> and we'll put them all in the same thing without checking to make sure the barrel is clear which i understand is a pretty basic <laughs> gun <laughs> safety thing it really is It really this is. this is just half assery on a massive scale it is i'm exasperated oh man
0: and then it, it's it's even worse because during filming uh the 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 way from which they filmed the bad guy shooting Brandon's character. Apparently he didn't have to aim it at Brandon. He could have aimed it oh, no. a foot right or left at this wall and it still would have gotten the shot, but he'd gotten the instruction. You aim it at Brandon, you pull the trigger. So he, f-
1: again, like, Measure twice, cut once. Oh, this is really... They, they had so many steps at which this could have yeah, not happened. Absolutely. Oh, I'm sorry. I don't know why I'm so distressed about this. It just seems like such uh, people not doing their jobs and everybody thinking that somebody else is going to pick up the slack and then you get so in healthcare we call it the the Swiss cheese theory of error because basically in medicine there's like a million things that can go wrong but there's also a million ways to catch it and you don't have something really horrible happen unless you have all those layers of Swiss cheese where they're mostly there, there's some holes and if all the holes line up then something really bad happened and this is a case where a lot of people did not need to be leaving holes and they did and they left big ones man i feel so bad for big the guy ones. who shot that gun too he was doing oh, what they told yeah. him to do yep. he was probably nervous about it yep. and they they had every reason to believe that everybody had done due diligence yep
0: absolutely uh they don't once he pulls the trigger and it fires the gun does what the gun was supposed to do right it you know flash mm-hmm. bang the only reason they know something is wrong the blood isn't an indication because a squib was supposed to go off and cover him with blood yeah. anyway. The indication is because Brandon fell forward when he was supposed to fall backward in the dis- in Ugh. the script, and they realize yeah. he's been shot almost point blank. He's been shot from twelve feet away,
1: directly in the abdomen. Oh my god! Well, just because I've been sort of freaking out so bad that I talked over it, what happens is that the um, what did you call the the ones that they put in the gun the second time around? Uh, the the blank. The blank, yeah. Yeah, so basically, they've got a projectile stuck in the barrel, and the blank provides it yeah. the propulsion. Exactly. So functionally, they are shooting a gun. Functionally, they're shooting a bullet
0: out of a gun. It's ex- yeah, yeah, exactly. Are you going to have an explosion happen within the cannon or right behind the cannon? Either way, mm-hmm. this thing is, is, is happening, and now you have a bullet propelled at almost the speed. It is not quite as fast as a bullet travels, mm-hmm. but it's propelled at almost the speed. Hits Brandon in the abdomen. He's immediately rushed to the hospital. He goes through Mm -hmm. 10 hours of surgery, but he dies as a result of the gunshot wound.
1: That's so sad. It's a real
0: fucking, I mean, it's tragic. Needless death is always tragic. But you think about this poor guy that it was his break. He was about to get married. He was Mm -hmm. so excited about this production. And like you said, there were so many ways that this did not have to happen. Um, Yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't random act. It wasn't an act of God. It was all these failsafes failed, and that's yeah.
1: stupid. Yeah, I don't like that. So Poor what? Brandon. What
0: we have is Brandon is dead at the age of twenty eight, mm-hmm. and so his, a couple of years
1: younger than when his dad died. Exactly,
0: and. People are really good at finding patterns and people really like mm-hmm. weird things. So these two deaths have kind of kicked off this cult idea that there's a curse on the Lee family. And it's known as the dark mark that affects the men of the Lee family. And and here are some of the. Mm, here, what's the word I want where things are the same? Uh, coincidences? Thank you. Here are some of the coincidences that people are finding between Brandon and Bruce and their deaths. Okay. So both men were born during the year of the dragon. Both men died very young at 32 and at 28. Mm -hmm. They both died while shooting their fifth feature length film.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. Uh, Both of these final films feature an important sequence in which their character is shot. Hmm. And, Dragon, the Bruce Lee story, is a biopic that came out in 1993, right before Brandon died. And in this biopic that was uh, signed off, in it, it, like I said, it it came out just before Brandon was killed and the Lee family had had a hand in providing interviews for it. Mm -hmm. Anyway, there's a scene in it where a metaphorical, sorry, a metaphorical demon has been haunting Bruce his entire life and in this climactic scene that the demon catches up to Bruce and then shows Bruce his own grave and then looks at Bruce and the grave and then turns toward Bruce's son and goes after him. And fans are like, oh my God, this thing totally predicted, this biopic predicted that this curse had gone for Bruce and it had gotten what it wanted. And now it was going after Brandon. Uh, That seems kind of like, that's a a jump. Yeah. Like a narrative selling itself here. Um, Mm -hmm. The other piece of the Lee men have been cursed is that Bruce had an older brother who died in infancy years before Bruce was born. And people point to that as more evidence that there's this curse. Was this in China or in the U.S.? His brother died, I believe, in the U.S. Okay. I don't yeah. actually know that for sure, but I know that Bruce what was born. What about his dad? In- his dad was alive and well, so why this curse skipped over daddy I I wouldn't know other than it doesn't really fit
1: the narrative here, right? Mm-hmm. It's... <laughs> This reminds me remember when Chuck Klosterman was writing about how he was trying to make it so that two things could be a trend when yes. he was writing for Esquire cuz he yes. would always find two things that fit together and they were like no you have to have a third one for it to be a trend and he's like no I'm making a trend where two things yes. is a trend.
0: Yes, it's technically the smallest trend you can have. I feel like this is I'm I'm sad because I always want to bring you these stories that have a really chilling airtight conclusion and you can be like, yes, Spokane is cursed. Yes, the Lee family is cursed. And this is one of those where the more I research, the more wah, wah, this whole idea became mm-hmm. for me. It just falls flat on its face to me.
1: I don't at all buy this
0: as evidence of a curse.
1: Is there a theory as to where the curse came from? I Usually curses come from someplace. I think this is, oh,
0: my chair. I think this is an example of, of Western Orientalism, Liz, where they're like, your family is an ancient Chinese family with an ancient Chinese curse. I really think that it's kind of born as this weird, like, exoticism.
1: Yeah, of course he's cursed. He's
0: Chinese. Chinese. What, Why
1: what are you talking it? about?
0: <laughs> like, I,
1: I don't have anything to support that claim other than that's what I think. But Well, I think <laughs> it might have kind of greased the wheels on letting this attach itself to him as a story. I think you're right. (laughs) Because what I've heard is that it was people who were angry that he was giving away their kung fu secrets, which again is kind of like, "Mm, I'm sure there were people who were mad that he took this thing that was very serious and made it entertainment, But But. I think you then have to really get in a catapult to make the leap necessary to and then they somehow enacted a curse rather than, you know, (laughs) sued him or wouldn't hang out with him if they saw him at a party. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they totally shot him at a party. Yeah. Well, there's another component of this, which I think helped lock the curse aspect of it because I remember when Brandon Lee died. I think it's hard to picture what hollywood was like uh 20 plus years ago yeah. on this if you haven't if you don't remember <laughs> 25 it 25 like, years ago for legit 25 years ago but the darkness yeah. of the crow and the subject matter yeah i mean like goth was not mainstream yeah and satanism and death and darkness and yeah. all that kind of stuff was not it was seen as sort of dabbling with dark forces. And so I think there was also sort of the sense of if he had been making a Western, (laughs) if he had been making a Kung Fu movie, (laughs) this might not have happened. But I've seen sort of a corollary curse that it's not so much that the family was cursed, but that that production was cursed. Yes. And that, you know, they kept pushing through despite all the signs that they should have stopped. And I'm like, I think all the signs point to they needed somebody to really raise the standards on safety (laughs) 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 right
0: right. they needed a real production manager here who was going to make sure people didn't get electrocuted frozen and shot yeah i i don't think you can discount the idea that satanic panic feeds into the idea of the production being cursed and like you said from there it's a real easy leap to just go what about the whole family they're already Mm -hmm. other they're already asian and also
1: gothic oh my Yeah, yeah, it, I don't know. I think the, I lost my train of thought, there it goes without me. (laughs) Fuck, (laughs) fuck. I would buy it more, I would buy it more as a curse if their deaths were more similar. Yeah. But I think what I hear is too, young men working very, very hard to break into a very demanding industry that is not comfortable with people saying, hey, I actually feel like hell. I really need to take six weeks and just like hydrate and get some fucking sleep. Or, you know, we were already running behind. We just need to get this shot. Yeah, I don't care. This is a real gun. (laughs) And you're gonna not roll camera until I tell you it's safe. Right, right. Maybe it's the curse of we don't always let men have physical
0: limitations or we don't always value the safety and health of people over entertainment
1: it's kind of like the the legend of the little rascals curse, which is actually the curse of being a child actor in the early days of film Uh, which was here's your amphetamines get to it get going kiddos (laughs) come on Shirley you can
0: be peppy Mm -hmm. again
1: yeah. Oh,
0: man. Sparkle. Yeah. yeah.
1: yeah. Oh, God. That's so, so I, I, it's, it's an interesting component. Mm-hmm. I think it's an interesting legend. And I think it's, it, it, I like talking about it and I like yeah. thinking about it. But I think it's too recent and too real to have the curse part really take hold and convince me. Yeah. Yeah, we
0: like you said. Two does not a, a uh, two does not a fuck. What's the word? Not statistic, trend. Trend. Two does not a trend make. Um, I don't. Mm. I don't want a whole other generation of Lees to die no. for this to be considered a trending curse. Um, mm-hmm. And he didn't have any sons, right, Brandon?
1: Any kids? Brandon
0: didn't have any kids. I don't believe his sister has kids, but I don't actually know that
1: let's look and i want to know is his mom still around is mrs lee still around mrs lee uh was at the time of brandon
0: lee and has been pretty recently i actually think she must be around because she i think declined to comment for this new book now i'm Mm -hmm. getting all my figures mixed up oh
1: yeah no she's still around linda lee caldwell she's an american teacher born in washington Oh, she got remarried a couple times. Good for her. Oh, yeah. You don't let that slow you down, lady. Oh, yeah. So, let's see. He was at UW and -hmm. she met him as one of his Kung Fu students and took lessons from him. And, oh, so she's retired and she and her daughter... Run the Bruce Lee Foundation, yes. a nonprofit organization dedicated to teaching Bruce Lee's philosophy on martial arts and his writing on philosophy. Yes. He's, it, Poor lady. He has
0: a really cool body of work on philosophy and a body of work of poetry that are definitely worth oh. checking out. What a renaissance man. Renaissance man, indeed. Um, more than the curse, because i I mean, I... Like I said, I think this is an episode where I bring you one and I'm like, there's some buildup, there's some things happening. And no, I didn't find anything that supports this theory. But I still think Mm -hmm. it's really cool to learn about a man in, a man who has ties to our our Pacific Northwest in Washington state, who was doing so many great things to break down barriers and advance marginalized people at a time when it was very difficult to do Mm -hmm. so. And I'm glad if for no other reason that, researching for this episode made me appreciate it's never going to make me appreciate Kung Fu, but it made me appreciate Bruce Lee.
1: Yeah. And that's something very special. Mm -hmm. I, I think the Northwest aspect of this is not as robust but i think it's something that maybe people don't think about because he had that he felt so exotic to people of he the did. time that it's like no this is almost a good old-fashioned american boy really like you is. know born yeah. in california grew up in china but then came around and went to u he's a husky he's for a crying husky. out loud yeah and yeah married another husky and yeah
0: and maybe we don't think of him as pacific northwest but i tell you what He and his family love the place so much that it's his final resting place. Father and son are buried side by side at Lakeview Cemetery, not far away from Princess Angeline there in Seattle, Washington. They are a pilgrimage site in Seattle in the Pacific Northwest. Their graves are so close. It's quite touching. They almost touch, you know, their their graves, father and son there. And every time I've visited their grave, which has probably been five times that I've hung out in Lakeview and I always go check out the big ones their graves always have fresh flowers always have candles or other offerings they meant a lot to a lot of people and our corner of the world meant enough to them to be where they are in perpetuity
1: Yes. Well, I have a part. I remembered reading this when I was thinking about doing this as a topic when I put it on the big list that his family says Seattle is home. Mm-hmm. That's why that's where he's buried. Yeah. That after he died, his widow started thinking back to when life was simple and when they were the most happy and it's when they lived in Seattle. Yeah. So there's actually, they did an exhibit back in 2014 because he was a, a a journaler. He wrote a lot and he wrote love letters yes. to his wife and to seattle apparently he says he waxed poetically about lake washington about how he loved the breeze and the walks along the beach he meditated there and it reminded him of the harbor in hong kong where his father took him fishing oh my gosh yeah that's wonderful mm-hmm there's uh there are bruce lee locations in seattle's international district yes uh, the ho ho seafood restaurant mm-hmm. used to be a studio where he trained and the other building where he trained is now szechuan noodle bowl <laughs> that's so
0: good buddy when i die can we dedicate some restaurants to me i'm so cool yeah. with that what kind of restaurant you want <laughs> all kinds <laughs> A buffet A buffet no i want you know me i like good old american pub food you do diner food do. pub food if it came from a mm. potato and you fried it
1: you can name it after me that's what the name of the restaurant is going to be <laughs> it came from a potato and fried it brilliant everybody
0: yep. come get scurvy with us <laughs> that's our tagline mm.
1: carbs carbs we love carbs <laughs> yeah oh Uh-oh. buddy that's this also- is a really good story I should have seen this while I was in Seattle the other day, but I didn't. But I did go to the Pine Box, oh, and yeah. I did go to the Mystery Soda Machine. What did you think about? What did you think about the Pine Box? Did you like the? ambiance? it ambience? was so beautiful. Yes. I need to put more pictures up because it's like, it's just a gorgeous space. Mm-hmm. They've done such a nice job, and I was there for Pride, and I I get the sense it's already a gay bar. Oh yeah, it's already in Capitol Hill, so. We're yeah, they were they were handing out shirts that said "Beers and Queers." No. And <laughs> How many? <laughs> I was thinking about it because I, I had listened I had listened to our episode on the way over. That's the level of wankery <laughs> that I am at as a podcaster. Is I knew I was going to the Pine Box, so I listened to our episode where we talked about it, mm-hmm. and we speculate in that that ghosts would be comfortable in a building that had turned into a bar because they would be used to bars and i went in and i was thinking about that and i'm like i think they would get everything except the chihuahua wearing a pride flag <laughs> i think that would stress them out i think they i think ghosts from 100 years ago would think that was a rat in a rainbow outfit i think
0: you're right they wouldn't have been prepared yeah. for that
1: oh man yeah <laughs> Yeah, the people who brought it in just straight up put it, like, right on the bar. Boom. And were trying to take pictures of it with a little flag and stuff. I'm like, all right.
0: Boom. I think, yeah, a yeah. chihuahua to begin with, but also a chihuahua wearing rainbow clothes is pretty anachronistic to anybody who was not alive before 2000.
1: Maybe they'd just be jealous of the colors that we can achieve now with our dyes. At, I, could they even see all those colors, Liz? Jeez. Ooh. They'd just be
0: tripping. Huh. <laughs> Well, thank you for letting me tell you about Bruce and his son, Brandon Lee. I think that we'll add a stop on their, or a stop to their graves on our giant road trip, because why not? Yeah. Uh, pour one out
1: for them at the Pine Box. In yes. the meantime... Well, the Pine Box is actually where Bruce Lee left from, right? That was It was still an operating funeral parlor at that time. The fuck out of here. No. True story.
0: The fuck out of here. No. Did he leave from there? Yeah. The fuck out of there. I didn't even think. I was researching this whole goddamn episode, and I was just like, ah, he died in Hong Kong. He's buried in Seattle. At no point did I make the mental leap between how the fuck he get across that ocean, how the fuck he do when he here. At no time did I consider that.
1: Oh, yeah, because from when it was the Butterworth building. Yeah. On July 31st, 1973, Butterworth and Sons provided these services to the family and loved ones of Bruce Lee. Among his pallbearers Mm -hmm. were Steve McQueen, James Coburn, Chuck Norris, and Lee's brother, Robert.
0: Yes. Oh, my good God. I'd even read about who his pallbearers were. And I was just like, oh, Chuck Norris. He went to China (laughs) for a burial that took place in Seattle. What is wrong with me? Oh my God, Liz, for sure. Make sure I wear a helmet whenever I do anything mildly strenuous. (laughs) I can't afford to lose anything.
1: There's just so much magic in the Northwest. It's hard to keep track of which era and which amazing story we're following. Well, if you want help keeping track of those amazing
0: stories and get your sweet little bottoms over to Facebook, get them to Instagram, get them to Twitter, get them to our proprietary website, OuijaBroads.com, Come hang out with us virtually mm-hmm. and then listen to us on iTunes and Podbean where you can rate, review, and subscribe. Please leave lots and lots of five-star reviews, even though I can't remember. Shit. Do it for Liz, if for no one else. Um, Liz, what else? Do we have new
1: patrons to thank or did we, we thanked them in the last episode? I think we've got everybody in the last episode. I wanted to tell people we have the perfumes ready, but what we're going to do is tape a little bonus episode talking about them and kind of what the inspiration was and smelling them. But I have Mm -hmm. to get all mine in one place because they have gone various places over the time that we've been developing them, and I'm not that organized. If you can't put it on the computer, I can't keep track of it. Uh, well, my they're in beautiful
0: little vials that my cat is like awesome. It's a toy, and so I'm sure <laughs> several are under the couch now. Yay! Hooray! Um, I can't wait to talk about that. I think it'll almost be a buffet, which is a word we keep coming back to, kind of a sampler pack smattering because we get to say this was mm-hmm. a- inspired by this episode. Guess what we talked about in this episode? These things. i always hate those like best of clips on on television shows you know like my least favorite Mm -hmm. office is the one where they show all the things to the new people ew no so we won't do that but we can still talk about some hella cool shit
1: yeah wonderful uh liz that's incidentally also why we don't put up an old episode when we miss a week which we rarely rarely do i want people to realize but it's because i really don't like it when i have a podcast i'm looking forward to and i'm excited because i see i got a download and it's an episode i already heard i'm like i could have picked an episode to listen to from before by myself we'd rather disappoint you with nothing yeah (laughs) you're an adult (laughs) you can handle it And then you can pick yourself up and go and listen to an old one you haven't listened to in a while. right? Right. But we're going to try to not make you do that. We're going to try to
0: keep it coming. Oh, man, we're kicking our own butts to do it. Thanks for bearing with us that week. I was in Europe on a totally undeserved vacation, and Liz was defending her fucking thesis, which, oh, my God, I'm never going to get over the fact that you're Dr. Liz now. That is just wildly Mm -hmm. inspirational and hot to me. (laughs) Yes, ma'am. Folks, I don't know where else to go from that. So I hope you live weird, die weird, and stay weird. Thank you for listening,
1: buddies. Oh, that was an interesting. <gasps> Thanks, boo!